Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I'm Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. So we had uh, our episode all set to publish on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, some shit went down. So we we decided we would hold it for a second. So we had a chance to uh, address this week's week's events. Because some of the stuff that we were talking about uh, on the episode that we were... (laughs) planning to publish on Wednesday just felt became irrelevant immediately yeah yeah for sure (laughs) so we decided that it would be better to you know be on a slightly different schedule this week but you'd be able to talk about what's on your mind so much has happened in the past like three or four days that today is Friday and all day yesterday I thought it was Wednesday until my roommate was like, I can't believe tomorrow's Friday. And I was like, I what? Yeah, no, I was supposed to have a call with someone this morning. And I texted them. I was like, are we still talking? And she was like, I had no idea it was Friday. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I love it. I love no it. One We've all been there for months. But we're all especially there right now. I think it's. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a hell of a week. Um, yeah, so much has happened. I, I can't even wrap my brain around all of it um but obviously there was um an insurrection at yeah. the at the capitol i'm going to i'm going to suggest okay you know obviously there's a lot that has been said about uh what happened on wednesday so given that we are a podcast called reply guys sure what i think that we should focus on is uh, some of the worst takes that people oh, have had yeah. okay. about uh, this week's events for sure <laughs> so what do you think what is what's the worst take that Ooh, you've seen about all this I... i'll jump in i oh, yeah, i'm please. ready to go with my first yeah i'm gonna say me. uh i'm gonna say that my ultimate reply guy of the week um is matt gates uh, oh yeah basically i mean making the point that a lot of conservatives and even democrats have made about like well now this shows that you can't defund the police and let's talk for a minute about why that's so stupid um <laughs> well um yeah okay yeah let's start about that the the, the capital police um, and this is this has been reported on. This has been confirmed. Senator Brian Schatz was 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 talking about it. That the Capitol Police were offered backup and they refused it. Yeah, I mean, so. they, they, <laughs> the thing is, is like the the plan for Wednesday was like public. It wasn't like it was organized. very much in motion. For- yeah. A number of weeks. Yeah, and I mean, I saw like you know I, I found some tweets from like you know. December, like December 21st or something, there was this guy who was a journalist and just outlined the exact whole thing that happened um, in, you know, a text thread like that, it, that this was the plan. And, you know, I guess this was, uh, you know, this was like publicly available knowledge. And certainly the Secret Service knew about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, it's pretty clear that the, the police knew about it. And that there was an active choice not to, uh, I don't want to say like not to stop it, but like not to make a any kind of serious attempt to stop it. They were, they were, you know, it, it's it's tough to even say that they were unprepared because they knew about it. They were just in, they were like intentionally unprepared. You know how some of them knew about it. Is that they were there <laughs> yeah. as off duty, trying to, uh, you know, just hanging out with the Q, the Q shaman guy. I, uh, you yeah. know, so there's been, there have been a lot of things said about this in the past 48 hours, I guess. Um, it's, it's very obvious, uh, like, that the, the disparity between, the way police uh, responded to Black Lives Matter protests, which were almost 
pretty much almost entirely peaceful and did not cause destruction of property in any way. And this, in which you had a bunch of people scaling the walls and smashing the windows of the Capitol, stealing Nancy Pelosi's podium, which is unfortunately funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that is... I know it, 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 it's like... Totally. Before we get off this point, though, what I do want to say is like you can't rely on a fascist or at best fascist sympathetic institution to stop fascism. That's not going to happen. Like, I mean, it's the police were on their side. They were taking selfies with the people who stormed the Capitol. It's Mm -hmm. I mean, like giving more money to the police is not going to do anything um and in my mind this like in no way delegitimizes the demand to defund the police if anything it makes it clear that we need uh other ways of responding to fascism because the police are not going to help with that yeah no completely one woman who was there, one of the the female insurrectionists, uh, died in the process. I think she was shot by Secret Service. No, I I'm not sure. And then another a member of the Capitol Police died um, after he was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, I just look. I it was a dark. It's it's still it's a dark couple of days. Um, I it's scary, and I I know that I've I've seen people like dunking on people like me who say that it's that it's scary, just being like, oh, these are just a bunch of clowns or whatever. But they, I mean, they there were bombs found. There were yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, is like where I th- that it like. To, to say that this was nothing to me in my mind is is definitely on the, the dumb take list. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, there were a lot of fucking clowns there. There were a lot of people in funny costumes. Definitely. There was no way that this attempt in any case was going to end up actually overthrowing the government. Right. But here's the thing. This movement is growing it's not going anywhere uh we see that you know the institutions that are theoretically charged with stopping um any kind of attempted coup are like on the side of fascism so i definitely think that like i you know i think it's fine to laugh at because it is like it is funny yeah, like, that these people are like obsessed these... with QAnon, but yeah and like obviously so many like we saw so many of these people are idiots like yeah. No, no, no doubt. I'm sure a lot of them are the ones who are scaling the walls. I wonder if there were any um, concentrated substances in their bloodstream, because that is um, actually Azalea Banks was uh, had some she was like, that's meth shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, you know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for for a, a lot of these people but i mean there definitely is something sad about like people risking their lives for donald trump like i can't spend too long on feeling bad for them but i mean it's like the republican party donald trump just he fucking doesn't give a shit about these no. people whatsoever um i think a lot of people uh believed that this was like the day of the storm which will summer explain to us on uh, our q and episode and um yeah i mean it's just uh let's let's talk about let's move on to some other um like really dumb takes uh i think that uh, beyond uh, defunding the police, um, being beyond this being used as a reason to not defund the police, um, one of the stupidest things that I kept hearing people say was that, like, implying that this was some kind of, like, huge own that, like, we supported the BLM protesters and not these people, you know? I mean, it's like, even I, I think that the people who were like using the language of like these, you know, rioters, like property damage is not violence in my opinion. Um, like there was a lot of property damage this summer, but, um, you know, but but compared to, no, 
actually comparatively for how many city like there was no state in the United States where there were not Black Lives Matter protests and the percentage of those protests with that involved property damage was so small. It, I mean, it was pretty small, but I guess what I'm saying is I reject that as a measure of the moral worth of totally. a protest movement yeah. because the thing is, I mean, and amazing that this needs to be said to anyone, people protesting for the cops to not murder them, whether they break a window or not, that is a righteous cause. And people trying <laughs> to like, you know, make sure that a uh, president who has been voted out doesn't leave office. That's not a good reason to to do this. You know, yeah. like, like the reason behind it matters. And I don't I don't know. I don't think that those people like realize that we are in no way like owned by their weird little neckbeard logic, you know, <laughs> um, I love I love that. We love neckbeard logic on this show. I think uh, we should contextualize that the reason why this happened on the 6th was because that's when the election results were being uh, certified. And um, <laughs> so uh, this was like this interrupted the session of Congress that was um, in place. <sighs> and it was I think the thing that was the the funniest to me in like a sad way and, and not actually funny, but like in an ironic way was just like, obviously Donald Trump literally to the letter incited this and has been saying for weeks, like, see you on January 6th in DC. Um, and <laughs> to see him and like Kellyanne Conway tweeting, like, stop the violence, go home. <laughs> like, yeah, you guys are, you guys did this. I yeah. I don't know. But um yeah, he also Donald Trump went out there and like gave a he gave a little speech to <laughs> to the 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 rioters, the insurrectionists, whatever, and he said, uh, "We love you. You're very special." <laughs> Yeah, that's like that's like what I say when I'm like breaking up with someone yeah. that I like. I want to leave my options open for like fucking them still, you know? Right. Um, which is which is actually a that's a perfect analogy. I yeah, think. yeah. It's I mean, and he did say like even in his alleged uh, confession or concession speech that like this is just the beginning of our journey together or some dumb shit like that. So I don't oh know. My God, I don't think that, that is Donald Trump is going away, and I don't think that this like. I don't think that this collection of uh, white supremacists and weird, um, you know, like like fascists of all types, I, it's it's definitely not going away. And like there yeah, needs to and be certainly certainly QAnon is not going QAnon's away. QAnon's not going away no. at all because and that was like a a pretty uh, pretty visible and vocal contingent there as well but you know we have now we have members of the house of representatives who are QAnon truthers so and that number will only grow if we don't and like i I don't know i i don't know what the answer is to that obviously so much of you know there's been a lot of talk about the involvement of social media platforms in all of this and what their responsibility is and so much of the disinformation spreads on these platforms um so i don't like particularly facebook and twitter um youtube has been a little has like cracked down on it a little bit over the last five or ten years but um and they've like made adjustments to their algorithm in light of people becoming radicalized because of of their algorithm of showing like increasingly extreme content yeah i mean i absolutely and i have you know i have really mixed feelings about that because it's like on the one hand obviously it's fucking disgusting that people are posting so much QAnon stuff and there are people that you know are going down the right wing rabbit hole um, and becoming increasingly radicalized because of the misinformation they're seeing on social media. And it's not a good thing at all. It's a very, very bad thing. But 
I I think it's like, you know, it's a tough situation because, you know, any restrictions on like political content, uh, it, it will it, it has been and will be used to suppress, um, you know, any kind of uh, any kind of leftist publication. Absolutely. And, um, you I know, think, it, well, I, I think they're. I mean, I don't think that restrictions on the kind of things that like InfoWars and like QAnon Facebook groups are putting out is going to like hamper Jacobin or The Intercept or something like that. I mean, it already has been it already has been used that way. And, you know, and I don't. I wish I could give you more specific examples. This would be something uh, good to go into on another episode. But, you know, um, like a, a lot of leftist news sources are like no longer considered like accurate news sources by Facebook and have been demoted in the algorithm um, have been demoted in Google search results so that it's really hard to find stuff. And, you know, it's just like, I mean, yes, ultimately I land on the side of like, banning the fucking QAnon shit I do but I think it's like it's tough this is not an issue that's without consequence for the left sure sure I no no I I can see that I just I I guess I'm not I'm not a free speech absolutist because of of things like this because of seeing what uh like the consequences the material consequences of that are um but i don't know i don't know i'm not i'm also not a uh, someone who is well versed on legislation therein and kind of what that actually what the proper regulations would look like yeah i mean ultimately i don't think that we can ever trust like big tech corporations to oh no altruistic motives i mean i think this kind of leads well into the next bad take of the week and in my mind this is also kind of a complicated one um basically people legitimizing the security state and i definitely understand the impulse to call these people terrorists and i you know it's like on on the one hand yeah man like they kind of are white supremacist terrorists but the thing is uh i you know like the response if this is like named as a terrorist movement will be um like you know anti-terrorism solutions not solutions why did i even say that but basically you know like in the wake of 9-11 we had like the patriot act we had like a massive expansion of the national security state um you know like just random muslims were getting their phone tapped and including some of my friends you know like i mean just uh these like there was just um there was such a uh stripping away of civil civil liberties and i definitely think that that is not only a possibility but a likelihood in light of this event and that's like one of my my most serious concerns is that this will be used as justification for cracking down on all protest um wall street journal did an article uh wall street journal published an article this morning which um i can't see because it's behind the the paywall but basically biden wants to pass a law against domestic terrorism um increasing funding to combat them and create uh, an oversight committee and you know it's like at the end of the day like who is that probably going to be used against like is it going to be used against these like patriot white people no i don't think so especially not in under a uh, republican administration i'm using the term patriot uh super sarcastically you know um but yeah. you know this this will be used against like um you know any kind of uh racial justice or civil rights protests or you know definitely any kind of um like leftist movement i mean for sure you know this is really bad for us yeah, I mean, it's clear that that um, leftist and progressive 
protests are already more heavily policed and uh, cracked down upon than <laughs> those of the alt-right and QAnon and whatever. I, I'm, I, I also understand calling these people uh, terrorists. I know that the, that, that that distinction and that label is a slippery slope and it does kind of underscore the, uh, the security state that we live in. If, Honestly, white supremacists and, you know, their ilk are, and I include QAnon in this, are the most dangerous. They're definitely the most dangerous, yes. Uh, people in, like, force in the country. So if, if, like, you know, we all know that, like, DHS was only founded after 9-11. It's not a, it's not a, it doesn't have a long history as an agency. If DHS, instead of just um, harassing every Muslim in this country, would actually crack down on the people who are causing the most terrorism domestically, which is supposed to be <laughs> their their concern, then they would be entirely concerned with uh, with white supremacist groups, which are have been more ascendant in the last. 20 years than um in the preceding like 30 yeah before I, I that. mean yeah I, but i you know but they, definitely but, they, but it doesn't work that way obviously that's yeah. what i'm saying like yeah in my perfect world i would actually like i would love to see uh something i i want to see these that's the thing i want to see these people face consequences i want to like again these people they plant bombs they you know, they do shootings. They like QAnon they wear is terrible outfits. They wear really bad outfits. And uh, no, but like, I mean, like a cornerstone of QAnon is that like people need to die. Like that's one of their beliefs that like there's an entire cabal of people who need to die. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I think part of the reason like <laughs> um I mean, it's just, it's really, really, really hard to know what to do about this. And there, I, I'm, I'm coming to my next bad take. And I, I understand where this take comes from. So this is like a take I've seen on the left um, that is, you know, basically some version of the, these people have economic anxiety. Take. So funny. Yeah. Okay. So funny. And so I want to say as like a caveat to everything else i'm going to say that obviously racism and capitalism are inextricable in this country mm -hmm. i mean like you look at the worst thing that's or among the worst things that's ever happened in the united states um slavery and you know also like on par like the genocide of uh native americans and both of those things were motivated at least in large part by the desire uh, to accumulate wealth um mm -hmm. and explore ex exploit people for uh for profit right and so um you know it's like you can't separate those things but that being said like the takes that are like oh you know we should like pity these poor working class farmers or something that's not who they it's were absolutely not i mean these are a lot of white collar people and there was and they they showed this uh there was a, a report about this there was one lady who literally took a private jet yeah. to go to the capital to yeah i mean go it's like the, yeah probably like not everybody there was like super rich but it no, was definitely but certainly, like certainly oh, like white collar yeah folks. yeah um, i mean it, these are like the people you know this is this is like the the petty bourgeois right like sure. and they're also white supremacist fascists and these are the people that like leftists should want to defeat right and like i definitely like you know i i if if some of these people like can be communicated with and it's possible to get them to, you know, redirect their anger, um, you know, away from like 
uh, racist shit and xenophobic shit, you know, towards Jeff Bezos. Okay, that's great. And like anybody who's like willing to to do the Lord's work of like, you know, reasoning with these people who are like off, off the fucking, you know, <laughs> rocker, really. Um, that's, you know, that's great. But like, at the same time, like, I don't see like a lot of potential for allyship with these people, nor do I think that we should be striving for it. I don't think so either. And this, you and I have talked about this before, but I think it's that that the realm of those takes of like, these are the people that we need to be reaching out to instead of like, trying to radicalize libs who are closer to like who would be an easier sell honestly um i don't know i i think it's really misguided yeah i mean like ultimately leftists hope to radicalize the working class and yeah like with you know a lot of like liberals no matter how like performatively compassionate they are of like you know retweeting stuff about the protests this summer or whatever like at the end of the day like when someone has like a lot of money and uh is an owner of the means of production like it's not going to be easy to get them on their on our side like there are class traders but like the thing is is like i don't understand and i know you don't like why Anybody who considers themselves a leftist would think that they have a better chance of radicalizing the QAnon shaman uh, more so than like, a you know, an abortion activist who like yeah. just really liked Elizabeth Warren, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and uh, yeah. And these are very like nuanced conversations that we that we have on the left about this sort of thing who is who is able to be radicalized and who who is not um cuz yeah certainly there are there are like run of the mill libs who definitely don't have money and there are leftists among us who do have a lot of money so yeah i mean and you know we can do we, it we love class traders we love them. i love, like i love a crowd class yeah trader. like if you you know if you are like uh trying to think uh mark ruffalo okay sure. huge bernie stan so cute we love, love to see it right so like great but you know i i don't know i think that these like fucking car dealership owners and like um insurance execs and like all these people like it's no, just I not mean, i don't i don't think we're gonna be i don't think we're gonna be convincing anyone no from, they're they're, from, they're like, like from bottom of the Sachs. list you like, know but that, i but that being I just, said like you know, I, I this morning I saw that uh, Joe Manchin was saying that he wasn't going to vote yes for the two thousand dollars stimulus checks, and then he later retracted because he got a lot of flack for it probably and said like, "Oh, you know, I might vote for it. I just think that the vaccine should be a higher priority, and like I think that we need to do more means testing, especially." <laughs> um, like, okay, so I don't right. think it's going to be easy to uh, radicalize the the QAnon shaman but at the same time if democrats do not fulfill uh on the promises that they got elected with which yeah. is that they would provide meaningful pandemic relief and economic relief um yeah like someone worse than trump is going to be elected in 2024 i can almost guarantee yeah i mean oh we didn't even i feel like we didn't even touch the fact that uh we won this we won the senate yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah whoops uh yeah so uh john ossoff and Raphael warnock uh won their respective senate races uh and so now we are looking down the barrel of a of all of the bicameral legislature and uh the executive branch being being blue and uh boy do i fucking hope that they govern like they have a mandate because they do but i am uh i, I am not i am not as optimistic as i would like to be yeah no i mean it, like i don't want to diminish like the amazing work that activists and organizers did it's really un un unbelievable it's and unbelievable I, and they deserve to be commended for it at the same time i definitely think that the main reason that people uh, voted for Ossoff and Warnock is because they thought that they would get two thousand dollars if they did it because and because that's what yeah Ossoff and Warnock were running on ostensibly. Yeah, exactly. um yeah. 
And so, so anyone who said that that was just a like that Georgia was another rebuke of Trump, that's a bad take. That's a like what what race were you watching? Yeah. Um. No, it's because like the Republican smear against Warnock was like releasing a sermon where he said that wealth hoarding is evil and everyone should have health care. <laughs> like, wow, what a what a loon. Yeah, um, it's um. Yeah, let's let's hope that um, man, let's hope that they don't fuck this up. Uh, I mean, by fuck this up, I mean not do anything to make people's lives better, especially in the middle of a pandemic and a depression, because there will be consequences for that. And I think that you know, it's not. I don't think it's an overreaction to say that you know the the consequence for that could be. Uh, a more competent fascist than Donald Trump, you know? Sure. And also we have failed to mention that um, once again, because of the events of, of Wednesday, um, there have been discussions and um, motions put in place to invoke the 25th amendment to remove yeah. Trump from office and impeachment. Once again, um, I think the, uh, one of those two requires so much buy-in from the president's immediate cabinet that yeah you've seen like a slew of resignations <laughs> yeah, from his it's cabinet. it's not gonna happen i mean it's i think it's happen. important to try but i do too and i think like there are obviously there is a congressional route to go here but um yeah oh and trump is is not gonna attend the inauguration on january 20th um so that is some petty bullshit that I we we love to see from him. Yeah, honestly, I like that for him. I love yeah, that me for too. him. Love I that mean, for him. When he's just uh, when he acts like such a little baby, it is. There's you know, it's a little bit funny. The, it is the a stuff bit that funny. he's actually doing. Not funny, not funny. but like yeah. his like butthurt narcissistic personality. Honestly, sometimes pretty funny. I kind pretty of funny. I definitely saw the merits in in banning him from Twitter that night. But I super wished that I got to see uh, his meltdown. You know, I know. Um, so okay, before we wrap up here, I want to uh, touch on one more really stupid reply to this week's events um and it was uh oh no the u.s is like a third world country we're a banana republic now oh, yeah, we're yeah, like I... you know we're like nicaragua and venezuela you know it's like you know uh, who said that you know who said that this is this is the kind of thing you see in a banana republic george w bush <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like absolutely uh, go off king yeah uh <laughs> go off destabilizing the middle east king yeah i mean it's like <laughs> the u.s has destabilized these countries by backing right-wing uh overthrows of leftist governments yeah that's why like you can't even really call like obviously i i think that it's i think people who are getting too in the weeds of the semantics of this like getting mad people being like don't actually call it a coup it's not a coup it's like yeah okay i don't think it's that big of a deal to like I don't know, but but I mean, a real coup is obviously like backed by the military, and God has the United States done that in every Central and South American country known to man. Yeah, well, what a stupid week, right? What a stupid week. Pretty pretty bad week. All right, but. so yeah, so that's. You know, that's that's, that. that's, that's the week. Our, that's our that's our takes on uh, this week's events. Uh, up next, we have an interview with Nomiki Konst, uh, who we talked to on Tuesday. So the world was different. On the world Tuesday. was different. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and uh, we will see you soon on uh, Patreon, and then back to our normal schedule uh, with a free episode next Wednesday. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome back to Reply, guys. We are so lucky this week to be joined by Nomiki Coast. Const? Const. 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 See, I Const. told you, when you get the I'm first sorry. name right, everyone just <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I should have asked about both of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
So I, I'm so excited to have you on the show. We've wanted to have you on for a while. Uh, probably a lot of you are familiar with Nowiki's work, but uh, she hosts uh, a show on Majority FM and uh, is also on the board of Matriarch and uh, has a YouTube show, just doing a lot of really cool things. Um, I have been so interested in Matriarch and we haven't talked about that on the no, show before. We Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. Thank you. First off, um, I love being on women-led shows. It's not happening enough. And <laughs> I feel like we need to interrupt the 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 bro space, even yeah. if you're yeah, good totally. ally bros. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's, so that I'm, was, I'm just grateful. That was the entire conception of this show was to interrupt the discourse. Yes. There's a lot exactly. of that needed right now. Yeah. I'll just say <laughs> yeah. that. Are you saying there's been a little dick swinging? Oh, Has there been no. a little dick swinging? Yeah. I feel like that it's getting a little more swingy lately. Like, yeah. I'm surprised, actually. But anyways, um, that's why Matriarch exists, because we... Uh, a, a collection of women on the progressive side of politics. Uh, we came together. We we were having the same realizations, the same conversations, uh, maybe like four or five years ago about how, yes, it's great that we have these like women, the years of the women where there's like a record number of women running, but there's not enough institutional support for working women to run. Um and so much, you know, of the institutional power that's been built up by the Democrats has been around raising money and sort of access politics. And so we often see that the women that do get the institutional support are able to raise a certain amount of money in the first few months, have access to wealth, are wealthy. Um, and it's it, it, it pushes out voices that we know are really important, um, not just in the fight uh, for women and people who identify as women, all women, but also just the working class side of it. So mm. most women. Um, yeah. And so in a day like today, like right this very moment when those who've been on the front lines, whether it's teachers or domestic workers or flight attendants, you know, these are women led fields and they're majority women of color and the unions that are attached to these for uh, these fields are all women led as well. And for some reason, they're just not front and center in the conversation. Um, and if they are, they're often targets. So we realized, okay, we've got some real institutional building to do. And a coalition of women um, advisors, I think now we're like, I don't know, maybe like 45 advisors from around the country from different fields, whether it's union leaders, former electeds, current electeds, former candidates, uh, consultants, uh, some celebrities, media figures. Ooh. We are here to help, you know, the women uh, get off the ground and run and become a collective, a sisterhood uh, in all different ways, helping them raise money, helping them uh, find their staff, helping them build their, their campaign plan. We consult them, you know, in a, as, as an organization. And the goal is really to get them up and off the ground so that they get the attention of the big stars like AOC and Bernie Sanders, and then that's really what propels them to the finish line. So we had a really great year, even though the year was crappy for most Democrats. Um, Cori Bush, one of our founding members, yeah. was elected. And she is, I mean, she's actually one of us, like one of the advisors that ended up going to run for office on her own. So, so cool. The best. Yeah. And really she cool. was she was um, just sworn in yesterday. Or, yes. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. She joined uh she she just joined the fraud squad, so we're so proud of her. I'm just kidding. Um, just yeah. Um, so Listen, I'm just I'm referring it. to Pelosi was uh, voted. Uh, she was confirmed speaker again, um, and there was a lot of controversy about whether uh, progressives or you know especially DSA backed candidates like should have voted for her and you know i'm i'm on the side of uh yes it's like always good to be more aggressive with demanding things from nancy pelosi and i extremely wish that there was like a a left challenger to pelosi it's very disappointing that there isn't but then if i think okay well who who would that be you know it's like it's it's you know Part of this, we're we're still pretty new in this uh, in this game yeah. of um, getting uh, really like I mean 
we're talking about the federal level, but like all over the country, Mm -hmm. you know, since like 2016, especially since like 2018, socialists have been running. Um, But I was curious to hear your take on like, you know, how uh, like what people should take away from this vote. If there's anything that you would have liked to have seen happen differently, what people are maybe not like including that should be in the conversation. That's a great question. Um, I mean, the the way that the squad, who was four people, I mean, there are obviously some Democrat, their progressive allies like Rokana and other members of the Progressive Caucus who may vote with them most of the time, if not all the time. Um, you know, the Progressive Caucus is not perfect, and we need more actual progressives to come in. Uh, to make sure that that progressive caucus grows, that pressures those who might be in the progressive caucus to actually side with the progressive caucus. Yeah. Um, so this is a numbers game. This is an inside. This is very much an inside game, and the rules of the house are set by uh, capital. I'm not even going to say the establishment because I think it's capital. I think Republicans benefit from the rules of the house. I think that neoliberals benefit from the rules of the house. I think that. Um, you know, it's 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 a very lonely place being in those house in the house, especially if you are not if 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 you don't have leverage, right? And leverage is having the numbers to be able to put your foot down and say, we're not gonna do X, Y, Z Z if you don't give us this. And the power that the squad has is really the power from the outside is is their ability to mobilize folks and to change the conversation and to pressure folks and Get folks to show up in Washington, and they're um, it's 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 that old line inside outside strategy. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I do I want to make sure that we like talk a little bit about like what some of the organizing that is like happening for Medicare for all, even in New York, because you know I, like one good thing that came out of this, like even though there has been like a lot of ugliness on Twitter, is like I'm hoping that you know like people who uh like want to be involved in continuing the fight for medicare for all like will find uh you know a way of uh getting involved uh i talked to uh right here in new york i talked to some folks uh from the uh dsa uh healthcare committee and uh, specifically michael pollack shout out to him and uh, a big focus for them right now uh, is like uh, passing the New, York, New Health York Health Act, which would be like single payer, but well, not single payer, but it would be universal health care in New York. Private insurance would be uh, banned in the, in the state of New York. And um, so they need to get uh, 32 co-sponsors in the state Senate. Uh, the assembly has passed it for four years running. They got 31 co-sponsors in 2019. Uh they're expecting like 29. And so like the campaign that they're doing right now is um, like to pressure the the Democrats most likely uh, to flip. Um, they're, you know, canvassing, trying to get people to press uh, to pressure their reps, um, targeted phone banking, talking people about single payer um, will knock doors when uh, COVID is over. Um, you know, it may be, you know, possible that, um, you know, if like, you know, whether it's now or in two years that um, this the state, like if New York passed something like this, that the state would um, get the money that goes uh, to Medicare. Yep. Um, and, you know, but basically it would be like Medicare for all, but for New York, uh, like free at the point of use, covering everyone, covering procedures. And, you know, this fight here in New York and a similar thing is happening in California. We'll probably see that uh, happening in multiple states may already there may already be people uh, working on this in in other states. So, you know, please tweet at us and I'll mention it on the show. But, you know, this was like part of how Canada achieved um, single pay. Uh, And it started in the province of Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Canadian <laughs> listeners yell at me uh, in 1962. So, you know, it could really... Shout out to all of our Saskatchewan listeners. Um, yeah, shout out to the God, Saskatchewan. We, we love you. Yeah. yeah. S- um, um, but, like, to have, you know, to have single payer uh, be successful in some states, uh, probably blue states, like, you know, like, that would really go a long way 
um, to making the case for it federally, you know, and like states um, rights. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know that um, you've been involved with like the on the union side, right? Convincing unions to working with convincing unions to support Medicare for all. Um, So I not exactly, but I um, I was, you know, I was on the Bernie campaign. So we worked closely with NNU, National Nurses United, who is based in California, but is a national nurses union. Um, I give a lot of credit to what they've been able to do over the last, you know, decade. I mean, they mainstreamed Medicare for all uh, at the leadership for most of the time uh, with Roseanne DeMauro. And she pressured Bernie to make that his central issue. Um, I went in 2016, traveled up and down the California coast, uh, or up and down California, I should say, not the coastline, just campaigning for Bernie alongside the nurses. They had this big bus and we had a little RV and we went with them everywhere. And then we did our own little events on the, you know, on the side, um, some surrogates from Bernie's campaign. And this this fight just continued on over the next four years, whether it was like the DNC meetings or, I mean, every time there was a thing, like it was like, how do we incorporate Medicare for all in this fight? And the nurses were always there. Um, when we say it was a central piece, there's a reason why Medicare for All is this issue. I mean, it's the most popular issue in this country, and it hasn't, you know, to break free of the insurance companies is very difficult, as I'm sure Obama knew. Um, and that's why I think this is why it's 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 being used as a weapon right now, potentially to divide the the left um, and to kill it for years. I mean, uh, Mitch McConnell has says, "Yeah, let's take it to the to the floor," because he knows exactly. <laughs> That's why, and that's why he didn't, for the same reason that he ne- he didn't want to bring the two thousand dollar stimulus check to the floor because he knew it would pass. Right. He, if he thinks, yeah. if he thinks he is, he's not. You know, he's many things. He's not stupid. He right. is. If he knows, like he doesn't bring anything to the floor that he knows will not have his desired outcome. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 with that, I mean, that's why the state. Strategy is really smart, you know, and it, it, <laughs> I joke because I'm like states rights because that's a big yeah, yeah. that's what Republicans work on. Um, you know, Dick Gottfried has been fighting. Who, you know, you mentioned uh, the New York Health Act. He's been fighting for this for years, I think decades at this point, since he's been in office at the state level. Um, the author of the New York Health Act and Senator uh, Gustavo Rivera, very good friend of mine. He, you know, he's been advocating for this. And, and in 2016, he knew the votes weren't there. And then now we have more progressives in the Senate. Now, you know, the, my the other side of my fight has been um, immediately after the Bernie campaign in 2016, I worked with this coalition very closely to get rid of the IDC in New York, uh, which was eight senators who are caucusing with Republicans. Right. I, you know, full credit, a lot of credit to my state senator, Michael Janaris, who yes. is the deputy uh, a leader of the Senate, and he was the po- political director of the Senate Democrats. And he kind of, you know, he definitely has been written about now. I think we could say this out loud. He orchestrated this strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like such a secret for so long that I'm like, no. you know, we'd like meet at coffee shops like a year before and he'd be like, how can we use the left media? I was like, oh, let me tell you about the left media. This is how we're going to do it. And like it became this great tool to recruit um, organizers. At the same time, DSA was growing. And so it was a beautiful coalition effort. And eight uh, eight progressives ran against these eight Democrats, who mm-hmm. some came from very Democratic districts, who these eight Democrats were caucus- literally caucusing, caucusing with Republicans. with Republicans all the time. All the time. They, no, no, I mean, not even just all the time. They had bigger offices because they mm-hmm. actually caucused with Republicans. They had more money. They had more pork. So while they were running as Democrats, they get into Albany and they'd, they'd suddenly become Republicans. And then they'd use these these like the, it was like mind trickery. And it was, you know, Andrew Cuomo was the strategist behind this. Right. So this started, at, I mean, over a decade ago. And yeah. folks just thought this could never go away. No one thought the IDC was beatable and it required real organizing. Yeah, and because that, because the IDC was propped up so much by New York real estate money. Yes, real estate and charter schools. Those mm-hmm. are the two things. Yeah. Real and estate developers and charter schools. Which uh the two are so <laughs> the so so intertwined. Um almost the same. But yeah, I mean that's another re- they had uh, 
I mean, who has more money than the than the New York real estate industry? Nobody. I don't know. Like um, Dick Cheney's oil contract. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. Think. I'm like, quick pop quiz, guys. Is there yeah. anybody who has more money than <laughs> just Mike Mike Bloomberg? I don't know, but um, Mini Mike B. Mini Mike B. Shout out, Shout out to <laughs> our least favorite person. Shout out to yeah. Ben Dixon for ending that. Yeah, he he took him yeah. down. <laughs> Good. Yeah, um, there's definitely there's a way to go forward. Um, I know that there's some folks who are also doing really good work in the labor campaign for single payer, um, getting unions on board, which is going to be really important, right? Because like, you know, talking about like pressuring reps, like unions have a lot of power to pressure reps, and um, like you know, just to have like workers and solidarity um is just going to be like you know so it's, it's going to be such a more important piece of the fight than um than you know just just like yelling at one person on twitter so I mean, um, or even yelling at two people it's also an insult to the labor movement i mean we are aside from this 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 like distraction right this is a moment as we're facing like Great Depression 2.0 and we have an extraordinary healthcare healthcare crisis and we have an opportunity to actually rebuild some of our our union potential given that people are frustrated and like folks at Google have announced that or Alphabet I should say yeah. are are unionizing and you have Huge. these red to blue um initiatives in in red states where they're you know organizing teachers I mean Arizona like they have a, a millionaires tax now that funds public schools in a right-to-work state, in Florida, the $15 minimum wage. So you're seeing this sort of like rebuttal to the libertarian experiment and the right-wing experiment of the Koch brothers. Um, and like that, I feel like, you know, should be front and center. If, if it's not coming from the Biden administration, then like we should all be rallying behind unions and, 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 and reforming labor where they're not progressive enough to challenge the Biden administration because that's literally all he can listen to. I mean, he can ignore all of us, mm-hmm. but he can't ignore a union. No. And that's actually really important to know. Even though they're weaker than ever, Democrats and even some Republicans can't ignore unions. Yeah. And look at yeah. and look at how many, you know, to your point about Arizona, um, like some of the most high profile, successful strikes of the past right. five years have been in red states. So yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a huge, like, yeah, the, the labor movement is, has been knocked down so many times over, you know, the last 40 years of neoliberal rot, but, um, but I, and that's why I think that like, we do have to keep, we do, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know. I, I haven't followed the money on a lot of the people who are kind of, trying to to toss bombs here but we do have to pay attention to the fact that like there are progressive wins happening even in red states and there are people who have a vested interest in a divided left that's like a profitable um interest in in that so we do we do have to pay attention to that and we do Anything that doesn't involve unions in a conversation is just not right. a conversation we should be having. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean hashtag that. <laughs> uh in California this week, with the beginning of the year, Prop twenty two took effect. Uh Vons and Albertsons laid off all of their uh employed delivery drivers. Um so these were jobs with benefits and they laid them all off uh, to replace them with independent contractors. Um, people, you know, like it's going to take a while, obviously, for like the the real data to appear. But like anecdotally, you know, uh, Uber and Lyft drivers and Grubhub and, and DoorDash, like people are saying that they're they're making less money. Um, you know, the, basically, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, but uh, Prop Twenty Two was. It's basically like these app companies just wrote their own labor law that mm-hmm. is like the one that's the most beneficial to them. And to say that they wrote their own is kind of a lie because 
uh, actually, Prop 22 specifically was written by a couple people, one of whom was Seth Harris, who was the deputy secretary of labor for Obama and is even in the running to become potentially Biden's secretary of and labor. He probably wait, isn't he Kamala's brother-in-law. I don't no, know Kamala's if that's the same guy. Brother-in-law is was the attorney for Uber and Lyft. Or oh, okay. uh, that's, gotcha. that's what yeah. I knew. I knew Tony that. West. Tony West. I mean, yeah. it's so, but it's so like the whole thing is so incestuous, and it's just yeah. a bunch of, yeah. No, I. It's really. Yeah. And it's really like it's incestuous and it's also like in bed with like the Democratic Party and like they're going to fucking like our Uber is already like gearing up to start this tactic in New York. It will. You know, we're going to see it around the country and like it could like it could end up in a situation if the left isn't like. You know, if the left isn't like organizing uh, word of the week, right, like. Well, maybe that's why they're going after DSA. DSA exactly. is, an, is a non, it's not a grass tops organization. I mean, there are a lot of like leftist organizations out there that they could have gone after that have just as large of memberships, but they're not grassroots or they're grass tops organizations. They're good. I'm not saying that they're not great, but like it's harder, like they're trying to break it apart. And like, especially as you go into New York where they're now advertising for a similar Prop 22 effort. It's it wouldn't work the same way in New York because we don't have that. We don't have we can't do prop, um, proposition. Prop, we can't do props <laughs> in New York. So they're 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 advertising these like daily newspapers, and folks are like, "What? It's moving so quickly." And the, I'm glad that you mentioned the Democratic side because, in you know, remember in 2017 when everybody was like. F Uber, the founder of Uber, the CEO yeah. of Uber is a Trumpster. Delete hey, Uber. Delete Uber. Meanwhile, in 2016, just seven, eight months before, the Democratic convention was sponsored by Uber, and there was an Uber tent outside of the Philadelphia convention in which you had to take Uber. If you were going to take a cab, you were dropped off like, you know, beyond security, like literally like a mile away. You had to walk in through the, you know, it was insane. So they had this Uber tent. And why did they have an Uber tent? Because David Pluff, who was Obama's campaign manager, mm-hmm. left and went to go be the chief lobbyist, I believe, senior advisor to Uber. And when that happened, we were all like, what? It was a, it was a shift. And, it's, and they're, now they're like going back to that politics. It's, it just shows you like any negative press, give it two years and you can reinvent yourself. Yeah. It's like insane. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's going to have it's going to have implications for the entire. For workers everywhere, like basically this, you know, Prop 22, which, again, we've talked about talked about before, allows these companies to categorize their their workers as independent contractors in perpetuity. And that is, I mean. It's it's a really precipitous slippery slope Um, yeah and i mean among other things like there's there are many many reasons which is this horrible uh basically makes it uh impossible illegal for these workers to unionize but in addition to that like you know no health care like there's you know they're not like insured i mean my like i have employer sponsored health insurance right now it's a fucking joke. I have a five thousand dollar deductible, and last year they covered some stuff before you met the deductible, but this year they don't pay a cent. And, t- and it's like I would have to go to the doctor like literally more than twenty times, like at two fifty a pop, to meet my deductible and have them pay anything. So I'm just paying them every month. I mean, it's garbage. So it's like this mixture of so many more uninsured people than there has ever been because so many people have lost their jobs. Right. Uh, you know, more people are going to be uninsured because all of these companies are going to try this independent contractor shit. And also, like, even for those of us who are, like, lucky enough to have employer, employer-sponsored insurance, like, it completely sucks ass. Like, I don't have an extra $5,000 laying around. Like, I'm still in the same situation, which is, like, you know, I have like maybe a little bit of an ear infection right now and I'm going to wait like as long as I can to see if it goes away, just like I did when I didn't have insurance at all. And, you know, all of these things like just really, really, really undermine the need for Medicare for all, which it's like. 
And it's, you know, it's it's just more important than it's ever been. I think what's so, like you just said, so many people had their insurance tied to, tied to their employment. What's so egregious about this California, uh, uh, the, the, not the initiative, but what the, the bonds and, and the different grocery stores are doing is they're replacing their workers with DoorDash, which is already, they've been on the front lines, these workers in a pandemic, going to people's homes, um, putting themselves at risk without any sort of security. This is before Prop 22 was passed. And they're basically like outsourcing it to another company to potentially take the liability. Oh, wait, just kidding. They can't be held liable now during a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this like layer of law. I mean, they're just, it's not even loopholes anymore. It used to be loopholes. And now they're just, they're, it's it's spitting in the face of of working people in the midst of a pandemic and and global, I'm going to say depression because I think that's where we're going. I think that we've no sense of this eviction crisis yet because they just mm. keep pushing it down the line. Right. And we're going to be like in Hooverville, National Hooverville soon. Um. So I, I personally believe that that Joe Biden might be sitting in the back rooms trying to cut deals with all these, you know, companies, these these multinational companies um, and, and Kamala Harris's donors. And I say her donors because it's like her friends and family. But ultimately, like, I don't think they're gonna have a choice. I just don't think they're gonna have a choice. Like, the this is always what happens with Republicans. They create the mess, and then they don't actually live through. I mean, to an extent, they don't live through the mess. It's like every the Democrats always have to pick up the you know pick up after the mess. But if they were real transformative Democrats who represented working people. It wouldn't be so hard. They would just come up with big government plans. They would have gotten rid of Pago. They, you know, and 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 they wouldn't be like dancing with with these tech companies that are libertarian um, wet dreams. Can I say that? I yes. Yeah, I know you can say anything. You can say uh, you can say anything. The libertarian uh, motherfucking wet dreams. <laughs> yeah. So we should wrap up here, but I just want to say it's been really great talking to you where can our listeners find you well first off thank you again for kicking ass and uh you can check me out at the nomi key show which is at youtube.com slash the nomi key show n-o-m-i-k-i and the show is very much focused on uh we have a mix of of authors and activists and leaders but we really like to kind of pull back the curtain talk about the strategies what is it going to take for us to build we talk about building a lot that's uh, a key aspect of our show is like, how do we have, as a movement build solidarity? How do we build infrastructure? How do we work together? How do we create alliances? Um, so that's a big part of the show. And then that's at 3 p.m. Eastern every single day from Tuesday to Friday. And also on Patreon and all the podcast places. Check out Matriarch, which uh, we're going to be involved in some special elections this cycle. And we're going to be doing Ooh. some trainings of not just candidates, but staff, because we think that there need to be more progressive women um, in staffing positions to to work with progressive women um, of working class backgrounds, it's it's very hard to run when you don't have resources. So we've we're changing the model of how we train staffing and train candidates to be successful. So check us out at matriarchpack.com. That's the pack side. That's probably the best place to go. Um, yeah, and then I'm on Majority Report every Tuesday. So today was a Majority Report day uh, with Sam Cedar, and like that's it right now. <laughs> cool sam cedar am i you know what we've put so many things out there that i'm just gonna go ahead and say that i think sam cedar is a very handsome man (laughs) yeah (laughs) i will tell him that i we have don't tell him please if he doesn't listen to the podcast i'm i'm not hitting on sam cedar i'm definitely not i'm just like wow you know there's just just... there's like a there's a dad energy that is (laughs) he is a dad it's calming it's a little you know he's like a like a like our our lib dad you know yeah. but like a, a good lib dad but also i i guess i don't, I don't think dads are hot i'm digging myself a i hole. feel this no this it's is okay. a comedy it's, podcast Kate, and I'll, i was joking I'll, I'll, you know i feel this way about scott pelly on 60 minutes so <laughs> not quite the same look i'll just say that not the same look at all scott i mean not the same look at all i don't want to li- i just want to say that i will i will admit to my own kind of paternalistic crush on scott pelly and i can't think of one everyone right was like getting a boner for uh steve kornacki and you know what like in my mind look obviously you know we have to always be appropriate and respectful but uh <laughs> people can 
find others attractive as long as it's not Andrew Cuomo. Absolutely. No, Amen. no Cuomo. Oh my God. No Cuomo. No Although, Cuomo. Can, I, can I admit something? This is, yes. this is when I was um, 16 years old. I was one of those political dorks when you're, you know, 12 years old. Like I went to the inauguration. It was like the coolest thing in my life. Um, so when I was 16 years old, I lived, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and I thought Andrew Cuomo, who was running for governor at the time, then he later became attorney general. He got, he was crushed as governor. Um, I thought he was the cutest guy in the world. And I went to a political nerd summer camp, and then I went to the convention in, uh, in California, because it's the 2000 convention, and I had, my bunk mates were all from New York. And we all put pictures of Andrew. No! Everywhere. No! <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if, you, if anybody knows anything about me now, like, I've been raging against him. Like, I'm on Cuomo's yeah. shit list. Like, he's No, no, like- no. I know. But that is actually, no, you know what? That's very brave of you. And we've all had those shameful um, political crushes in the Yeah, in the I deep- used to think that I would hate fuck Paul Ryan, but that we've was all- a long time ago. Oh, I ago. can't handle that. That's disgusting. I know. Well, how do you think I felt when you said that you had a crush on Andrew Cuomo? I'm just saying. When I was 16. Yeah. I was young when I thought Paul Ryan was hot, too. I, I mean, I think I was. I, I was. It was a long time ago. He yeah. was my age, I think, at that. Maybe a little bit older. He was like in his early 40s. Yeah. He probably looked more like Chris Cuomo then, which is not that great looking <laughs> either. But I guess there's good lighting. I don't know. Yeah. Not, not, not attractive I wouldn't either. fuck any of the Cuomos, nope. just so you know. Not- <laughs> or Sam Cedar. Right, no, let me just make sure to make that clear. No, I would. I'm. Not, I. I don't have Sorry, that kind Sam. of crush on Sam Cedar. If, if you're, you're listening, if you're listening handsome. wow. I said handsome. I didn't even say hot. I. I want to be like extremely respectful here. We made a yes. joke where we we're like, um, I don't know. One of the callers was talking about having a crush, and I said you should do a calendar because he does have someone to call it. <laughs> like, Sam, you look so handsome today. Wow, Sam, go off, King, handsome King. <laughs> I think he should sell a calendar. <laughs> just putting it out there and i should get um, half the, money. <laughs> the majority report calendar yeah Hot. uh okay well totally um yeah i guess that's it and uh we will be back on uh this weekend with a patreon episode thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week bye thank you so much for listening to reply guys If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash reply guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I went walking... That ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is your land.